Welcome into another episode of the Young Turf Podcast. Ahmed Gafir and Mason Viner. Ahmed, we would usually start off talking football on a weekend pod, but uh, let's go with the one that we got the instant reactions for. Terps drop uh, two unexpected games uh, down in Asheville. Yeah, I, uh, I think kind of going into the weekend, if uh, you looked at the average Maryland fan and said that Maryland Revenue Sports was going to pick up uh, one win this weekend and it'd be football, um, I think a lot of people would be looking at you pretty crazy. But Sunday night, that is where we are. Yeah, it is. Brutal day for the Terps across the board. Um, lo- losses in field hockey, women's yeah. basketball, men's basketball, uh Tough day. Only win Maryland uh, Athletics comes away with on the day is a 3-0 sweep in volleyball against Ohio State. But a couple of really ugly losses. The Terps, uh, I guess let's go back to Friday. Uh, a tough one against the Davidson team that shot the lights out and is the best three-point shooting team right now in all of college basketball. But the Terps just close so many times, but they don't get it done. Yeah, obviously Davidson was able to go into that break with a one-point lead, and um, it just kind of felt like a game where the 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 deficit or the you know the gap always felt a little bit bigger than the the score indicated. But um, in the end of the day, I mean, uh, you know, just Davidson, like you said, you know, Davidson now leading the country in three-point shooting, and Friday night was a big reason why. Obviously, finishing over fifty-three percent from from three, and uh, the uh, the the last second three there with fourteen seconds left um, ended up being the difference there. Um, and again, it was just you know the 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 consistent um, just lack of rotations. Dante Scott just missing, losing his assignment. Really, that was what it was. Um, and really pivotal situations, just kind of losing just complete awareness uh, of his man. Um, and in the end of the day, it, it ended up biting Maryland for their uh, what be their first of two losses. Yeah, and and that brings me to a topic that I really want to get into on this pod, but we'll leave it for after we talk about the games. Uh, really felt like Jameer Young again was giving Maryland everything that he had against Davidson. Puts up 18 points for the Terps. A lot of pivotal plays down the stretch. Big shots come from him. Uh, Juju Reese joins in with a double-double of his own, but the Terps uh, – Really left soul-searching from deep yet again. Uh, just not good shooting performance between Jamie Kaiser, Deshaun Harris-Smith, Noah Batchelor, Jahari Long. How many guards can Maryland put in that just cannot make a three? Yeah, and I think kind of the problem with it is kind of going into the year. I mean, every Maryland fan knew just, you know, even watching last year. I mean, Ian Martinez was statistically the the team's leading, high, or the team's leading three-point shooter. Um, he left Keem Hart. He was another guy who was able to knock down some pivotal threes last year. He left. Um, you know, you looked at Jameer Young. He was able to do it. He was capable of it. But you always looked at, you know, Jamie Kaiser Jr. as the guy that, you know, had that reputation kind of coming into uh, College Park. Um, and then Noah Bachelor as well, you know, filling in that now what looks to be a glaring weakness at, at the wing. Uh, but both of those guys being relied on um, really this year to, to kind of provide that three-point shooting. Um you know, they're far from the only ones, but um, definitely been been a concern. Obviously, like you said, Maryland finished 5-23 of on Friday. Felt like they just really couldn't get a bucket. But like you said, Jameer Young, Julian Reese was also able to get it going a little bit. Uh, finished with 16 points, 11 rebounds for his eighth career double-double. Uh, second, or, yeah, excuse me, first of the season. Um, but again, you know, the, the, the three-point shooting is, is kind of um, what really makes you scratch your head. Yeah, that as well as, again, finding themselves out of position. And and really, and it carried into the UAB game earlier today, the, the lineup that Kevin Willard is rolling with, with, you know, 
Dante Scott or at the three, I don't really know defensively if he can keep up with these small ball teams. When you get into Big Ten play, he'll probably play a lot of teams sized similarly to the lineup that Willard's been trying to work. But look, small ball mid-major basketball is dangerous this time of year, uh, especially against a bigger Big Ten team. And and the Davidson game more so than, than the UAB game looked like every NCAA tournament game that Iowa or Purdue or Michigan State have lost come March. A smaller team that can spread the floor and shoot just jumps on you early, makes their shots, and look, you get a chance at the end, but just not enough. Yeah, I mean, again, like you said, you know, I felt like, um, yeah, uh, again, you know, this Davidson team, you know, they they, they were able to, um, you know, they, they provided that three-point threat kind of going into the matchup, but, you know, I think, again, it was just kind of what, what Maryland was kind of unable to do, and again, we haven't really touched on the turnovers, which have been a, an issue. They were an issue in the, the season opener as well, but I think they kind of get to mask in the win, but, um, you know, combined 28 turnovers over the last two games, um, that that's another big big issue as well for Maryland. Um, it just kind of feels like there's there's a little bit too many issues. Um, you know, Kevin Willer kind of cautioned that, you know, it's going to take this team a little bit of time there. Um, but, you know, this team just kind of feels like it's very raw right now. And offensively, it just feels like there's also just no chemistry, no sets. And at times it just kind of feels like there's just frankly five guys on the court just working ISO ball, trying to find their own success. And, um, you know, you kind of wondered when, you know, Kevin Willard and you get it from a scheduling perspective when he notes, you know, that Asheville, um, you know, it's just a little bit early in the season and it's just too, maybe too early, but um, I don't think anyone expected Maryland to kind of put a product uh, like they did. No, not at all. And, and you mentioned the, you know, standing around the five guys, I felt like at times over, over the weekend, there were also just some really, really poor shot selection and that goes with the lack of ball movement that goes with the I felt like consistent feeling of each player thinking like I need to do something right now that's going to propel this team to win in football we talk about you know personal fouls a quarterback forcing the ball and all that stuff in basketball when you get into iso ball pretty much you force the same things you know bad passes across the court that that are going to get uh turned into turnovers going the other way bad shot selection pull up jumpers uh, that just aren't aren't certain guys flow. I mean, when you look at a stat line and not to really pick on one player individually, because this definitely was a team effort, like Noah Bachelors from Friday night, he's two for seven on the game. He's two for seven. All of them are three-point shots. And yes, he's supposed to be, you know, that mix in the lineup. But in 20 minutes, you take seven shots. All of them are threes. It's not a good look. You know, no assists on that line. Struggling, again, just struggling to find any sort of rhythm and, a really, really deep bench, and you got to play rotations early in the year. But five best have to be on the court at one point, and and it, it sort of showed when they went small ball against UAB. Yeah, and kind of you touched on, you know, Noah Bachelor. I mean, you know, I think it's a little bit more um, it's understandable for him, you know, just just taking those three point shots, kind of just gonna, with him having that three point label on him. But you know, you look at Sunday afternoon, um, Jahari Long, he finished one for five from deep, finished, I believe it was his first three point attempt that went through. Um, you know, he, he's probably a guy in 17 minutes. Um, he's probably not a guy that, you know, you're allocating five, three point attempts to. So, um, you know, you touched on the shot selection as well and yeah, turnovers, they loom large. And I think that was kind of a big reason and why, especially on Sunday, why UAB was kind of able to really, once they took control, really hold on to it. Um, but the, the, the shot selection, I think it all kind of goes back to Maryland trying to really being able to, to find itself, you know, the, the backcourt itself. 
feels like Deshaun Harris Smith is also, you know, feels like he this this weekend kind of showed him to be a freshman. Um, you know, a guy that kind of struggled to consistently find that success around the rim. Um, obviously, I know, you know, he was able to finish at 13 points uh, against UAB, four of 12 from the field, uh, knocked down all four free throws um, in, the, in the loss. But um, again, you know, it just, again, it feels like it's all small ball, or excuse me, small ISO. Um, and it just feels like J- 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 Jameer and, and Deshaun just kind of really aren't able to work with each other. Um, so it just kind of feels like all these uh, issues right now offensively are, you know, kind of kind of interrelated a little bit. Yeah, you mentioned the UAB game. Let's uh, move on to that one. Terps fall today, 66 to 63. You know, a lot of the same problems we've already talked about. A couple of things um, that I'll point out. Ahmed, you already said it. Jahari Long with five three point attempts for Maryland. Noah Bachelor starts the game, only gets 11 minutes, puts up two shots. Both of them are threes. He misses both. And then a guy that at this point, you mentioned Harris Smith and Jameer Young not being able to work together. Dante Scott's role in this team as a as a small forward at this point is very questionable. I just don't think that he's quite got the defensive capability or the speed to really truly play the three. Looked a lot better when he was in, in the game with Jordan Geronimo late when Maryland was trying to catch up back in a more comfortable four spot, especially against a smaller team. Yeah, um, you know, I think it was a better performance uh, just considering – how Friday night went for Dante, but um, yeah, again, I think, you know, at this point, especially on the offensive side, I think, you know, you kind of know what to expect out of him, but um, just again, looked a little bit more comfortable, but um, yeah, uh, you know, just, it seems like he's kind of able to work that three though, obviously with Jordan Geronimo being able to find the four and, you know, in game one, just them two being able to figure out how to work to play with each other. Um, But it feels like, you know, Dante Scott being able to figure out, how to really still be assertive at the four, Jordan Geronimo at the five. That that seems to be like something that that I think Maryland would be something they, they could kind of turn to. Um, but again, just kind of Dante just needs to be a little bit more efficient. It feels like just kind of the fifth as a fifth year senior, um, there's just a little bit too many lackadaisical moments and too many um just moments where he just disappears. Um, and I think for, for especially early on in the stretch when you need some of these freshmen, you know, to, to kind of get, get, get their bearing a little bit and kind of get situated. You need, especially your fifth year guys, you need them to kind of step up. And um, it just feels like Dante is just kind of another guy right now. Yeah. Julian Reese, another player uh, who has again tale of two games for Juju down low fouls out of the game against UAB one for four from the field, three for four from uh, the free throw line. He puts up five points, uh, adds four rebounds, five fouls. Um, not sure. Maybe it was DeMonte Dodd that was out there playing Julian Reese, but that is not the stat line the Terps uh, want to see from their star big man. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Willard has made it pretty clear. Um, he wants to go through Julian Reese uh, early and often. Um, and it felt like kind of against the UAB team that really lacked overall size that Julian Reese would be able to find some success. And, um, you know, Friday night, you know, Davidson did a good job of doubling him in the post and Juju did a good job of recognizing it, passing, passing out. Um, unfortunately, you know, the supporting cast really didn't step up. But um, on Sunday afternoon, uh, like you said, you know, finished five points, four rebounds. But foul trouble, you know, that's two games and uh, two, two, two times in three games now um, where foul trouble has been an issue for Juju, which obviously I think for every Maryland fan uh, going into the season, you knew that was – uh, issue number one or question number one 
uh, when it came to Reese being able to take that next step uh, as a Big Ten, um, one of the Big Ten's best big man. So, um, like you said, uh, uh, uncharacteristic performance, but one where I think Willard and Co. will look to uh, look at the tape and, and figure out um, how to get that motor going, uh, especially on offense. Yeah, last two points for me, just two stats that, that are both concerning. Uh, for the Terps, they fall to a mid-major team that shoots one for nine from three-point uh, land today. That is something rare, something you don't see a lot of the time. Teams like uh, Davidson hit over 50% from three, and you can kind of point to that and say they just got really hot in the game. The other one, Maryland's free throw shooting, uh, enough to make up the difference in this one, 13 for 20 uh, from the line against the UAB team that shot excellent from the free throw stripe, 91%, 21 of 23. Yeah, but again, it just really felt like, you know, the turnovers were just really the big thing that that just kind of struggled there. I mean, you know, from the point where Maryland was able to build that 11-point lead until the 13-minute mark in the second half, UAB went on a, I believe it was a 28-9 to run, uh, featured nine turnovers, and it was this, this, the way that the steals, um, you know, UAB ended up finishing with 10 steals on the day. Maryland finished, like I said, with 28 turnovers in two days. It just, um, you you kind of don't, didn't really expect maybe that to be an issue with Jameer Young back, with Jahari Long, who, you know, he was able to, maybe he didn't join College Park as, you know, a veteran point guard, but he was able to, you know, be, you know, be a reserve point guard last year, filling off the bench, be a facilitator. Um, so you expected him to be able to kind of run the point. Obviously, Deshaun Harris Smith has been able to run the point as well. Um, but you obviously, and it's not just all in the backcourt. Obviously, some of them are coming in the front court as well, uh, or just you know guards getting uh, getting trapped in the paint. Um, but again, you just kind of expect Maryland to take care of the basketball a little bit better. Um, like you said, against a mid major, but um, more importantly with some of those veterans and star power. Yeah. Terps averaged 10 and a half turnovers, roughly a game last year, which is in the top 40 in college basketball. And really there's not much difference between like number 110 in turnovers per game and number one, that that's about three, somewhere between 13 and the leader last year, Virginia, eight and a half turnovers uh, per game. So that just gives you some perspective. Maryland, 28 turnovers over the entire weekend, 15 today against UAB, 13, against Davidson is not going to cut it. It's it's the careless one. So like Dante Scott on Friday night, not fully establishing himself out of bounds while inbounding the ball. Guy's been playing yeah. college basketball. I mean, that that's one that gets you. And then today when pressure is applied, the cross court passes against a kind of zone full court press, not really quite a full court press, but I guess pressure in the backcourt is the way you would put it. Um, those get picked off and, you know, they're easy layups. It's giving up points. It's giving up not only possessions, but setting the other team up for layups, not, not just being engaged in the game. And and I think that is what gives Maryland fans uh PTSD of, of the last era of Maryland basketball. And it, it just, it was not a good product for a set of pair of games that, that really should have gone in the win column. When you look at the overall talent on the roster. Yeah, I mean, you know, the you know, you look at just the long-term ramifications of this weekend. I mean, you're looking at potentially at least one, but potentially two losses that are kind of head scratchers on the NCAA resume. Um, you know, should you know, I think Merrill will end up getting there. They'll end up kind of figuring out uh, its offensive identity and hit, hitting its stride. Whether that's into you know the 2024 year or or, or when remains to be seen. Um, but again, you know, it it just 
felt like it for every Maryland fan this weekend. I mean, the product um, just didn't pass the eye test. Um, and I think even if Maryland pulled out wins, there neither of those wins would have been wins that you know would have really been convincing or you know any Maryland fan would be pounding their chest saying oh we're a top 25 team like just the way that Maryland was playing just felt very off felt like there's a long ways to go uh, between now and um, you know what, what's expected to be a Big Ten contender. Yeah um, when I talked about the game earlier in the week I said you know it's a pair to it's a pair of games you can probably pick up a quad three and a quad two win at best. Now it's probably a loss against the quad four team, if not two quad four teams. I mean, if you go off of preseason ranking, a bottom tier A10 team and a bottom tier, what I guess, are yeah. they in the American Athletic now or this, are they yeah. still in the CAA? One no, or the other. This is uh, for first year for in the uh, A10 for UAB. Okay. So, yeah, two, again, mid major quad four teams, both picked n- not so good in their conference. So, yeah. I mean, and you know what? Um, I think there's a, another dimension to, or another aspect to, to kind of look at. Maryland's home slate is not great this year, um, really, obviously, until conference play. Um, you know, two losses. I mean, they'll play Villanova next Friday, chance to potentially start one and three. Um, just a, not, a, not a good way for fan support. Um, expected to, to kind of fill up the Xfinity um, going into Big Ten play. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see. I mean, this this next week, the next game, uh, a chance to kind of write the ship, definitely write the ship going into a tough uh, Villanova environment on Friday night. That closes out the Gavit games uh, for, I guess it's it might be the last year of the Gavit game. It might be yeah. the last Gavit game uh, of the Big Ten and Big East relationship uh, in early season play. Ahmed, let's flip it over. Bright side of things, Terps going bowling. We said it was going to be ugly. I said it belonged on a streaming service. I don't even know if it was streaming service worthy. Uh, Terps pull away in Lincoln 13 to 10 and get to six and four on the season. I mean, like someone had to win. Um, and uh, uh, it just felt like, you know, at the end, obviously felt just grateful. Merrill was, was able able to do that at the end, able to uh, put that in, in, in the end um, and just end that slide. First win since September 30th. Um, but again, just being able to win in Lincoln, first win against Nebraska. I think those are obviously key ones. But again, um, far from from a, a pretty game on the eyes. Uh, Talia finished twenty seven of forty for two hundred eighty three yards, one touchdown, one interception. Um, but I think the big story of the game was the second half running game. Uh, Maryland finished the first half with zero rushing yards on seven attempts, and then finished the game with uh, one hundred one yards on nineteen attempts. So. Um, excuse me, on second half with 19 attempts. So um, I think that that's obviously just kind of with Maryland struggling to run the ball, especially in Big Ten play. Um, Maryland kind of been, being able to lean on the ground game. Roman Henby uh, with the big fourth quarter there, uh, especially on that final drive, uh, setting up the eventual game-winning kick. Yeah, Terps, uh, get it done. I'll, I'll echo a lot of your points on the game. It's always tough to win in the road, especially when you're in, I guess, the mental state that I would say Maryland football was in going into this one, just, you know, really needing a game just to, I would almost say any game that had any result, which this one would fit that category. Um, they needed it to go in the right direction, ultimately be able to walk away with a win and, and, and look at where they're at now in a much more comfortable place, getting that sixth win. And I know that's not what anybody expected or where Coach Loxley set the bar to be in this season, but it's where you are right now, and you, and you have to make the best out of those things. 
I'll, I'll point to a couple of stats in the positive of that while Maryland wasn't able to run the ball. The pressure from a what is a talented front seven that Nebraska has, they only come away with one sack in the game. I thought Leah, you know, executed the game plan as far as getting the ball out quickly, didn't put himself in too many bad positions. And when Maryland needed it, they were able to produce what I would say is actually two drives that were worthy of points. One that Roman Hemby fumbles in the end, the other one that Maryland walks off with the game winning kick. So look, it's week to week. You're never really sure what you're going to see out of the Terps, but this one uh, a lot easier to judge uh, with a win going in the column, as Mike Loxley always likes to say, than if they manage to find a way to lose this game. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously, like you said, it's just it's easier, obviously, to do it off a win. But um, I, I think, like you, you, you kind of touched on it, um, I think it's really easy. You know, Loxie's talked about, you know, just kind of having to, you know, motivate and, you know, kind of keep guys positive. And, you know, just, you know, when, you, when you've when you gone, you know, five weeks without a win and, you know, you feel like you're going Monday through Friday and you're trying to obviously come out with them. I mean, you're not trying to lose and you're trying to, you know, write the ship and you're trying to figure out what's wrong and that missing ingredient. Um, so I think just, just being able to do that, you know, have that validation where you get that win um, and obviously having, you know, with it securing bowl eligibility, um, you know, I think Maryland fans kind of take for granted, you know, take going to a bowl game three years in a row. You know, I, I graduated in 2014. Uh, I somehow did not see any bowl games. Uh, I did not see any NCAA tournament games. Um, so this will be the first time since 2006, 2008, that uh, Maryland's gone to three consecutive bowl games uh, in three consecutive years. Um, so I think that that's kind of a big thing. But uh, obviously, I think a lot, lot to correct there. And I think um, just just – what, what Maryland was able to do, I think, kind of offensively late um, is kind of what gives them momentum going into a really tough Michigan team. Yeah, this week will certainly not be easy. Um, guys, you got to give a shout-out to in this game. Obviously, Targib still, he, leaves the he leads the team in tackling, also makes a huge play at the goal line uh, as Nebraska's driving down the field looking most certainly like they're going to win the game with the third quarterback for the Cornhuskers in with Chuba Purdy. Um, Dante Trader comes up big for Maryland. Uh, not exactly sure where that ball, the second interception they had was going, but it, it, it lands in the hands of Dante Trader, which we always love to see. And then Bo Braid, I also felt like really Maryland's defensive backfield stepped up big uh, in this game. Obviously an opponent that's really struggled to pass the ball throughout the season. But again, like you said, Ahmed, team that feels like they're preparing Monday through Friday, which is, I mean, what everyone's heard out of the building, what Loxie has constantly said is they have to fix whatever is happening in the game because the preparation this year ha has been there. The commitment to uh, stay engaged as things have sort of gotten shaky here, have gone, frankly, really bad uh, over the last five weeks uh, has been there. But Jaquan Shepard comes up with the TFL, makes some nice plays, obviously Braid, Trader, and Look, I got what I asked for between Gavin Gibson and Glenn Miller. Those were the two guys that were in that nickelback position. And I think you saw um, just how much talent the defense really has and how they haven't really played to what Maryland would call the standard, what I would call, you know, reasonable performance over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and I think, you know, you touched on the secondary coming up big and going into this game, it was going to be, I think, on both sides of the ball, um, stop Nebraska on the run and, um, you know, figure out how to um, – figure out how, how to, you know, limit that front seven uh, a little bit. Um, so I think, you know, Merrill was able to 
kind of limit Nebraska a little bit on the ground. Obviously, average around four and a half yards per carry. But uh, when that ball went in the air, you know, Maryland did a really good job uh, with uh, with Tarheep Stelly and Dante Trader, both of them coming away with two interceptions each. Um, but again, it just felt like uh, defensively uh, with Tarheep still also leading the defense with seven tackles as well. Um, felt like just the, the defense was kind of able to come up with some stops as well. Defense is also able to come up with turnovers, five turnovers for the second time this season. Um, so I think that was kind of a needed needed turnaround for them. Um, again, especially coming off uh, Penn State performance where they let up 51 points um, and a defense that's really kind of struggled, giving up the big plays. Really didn't see too many big plays. Obviously, um, I believe there were uh, the three uh, three big plays through the air over 20 yards. Um, but again, you know, Merrill was able to come away with four interceptions, uh, one fumble. Um, just felt like Merrill was able to to kind of do to not do enough. Um, and obviously, being able to to kind of pressure the quarterback a little bit. Um, even though you saw all three Nebraska quarterbacks uh, in the eventual Maryland win, um, the the defense kind of uh, helped the 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 offense and the field, the field advantage um, in that regard. Yeah. I, another thing that's worth bringing up is the penalties uh, that Maryland committed in this game. Obviously not. We're seeing it start to slip is the way that, but I think really started against Northwestern. We saw the 15 yard personal fouls come back. It's, it's sort of continued over the past couple of weeks and, Man, that Matt Rule certainly knows how to yell at a referee. I'll put it there. I felt like every time they showed Matt Rule, he was yelling at the referee about something. But um, definitely a step backwards there. But again, maybe a win helps Maryland kind of improve. I've said it multiple times. Improve the mental um, capacity and capability to continue to you know hold yourself accountable and hold yourself uh, to their standard in the program of not not doing those things to hurt the team. And look, I, I ultimately feel like we were really looking at a football program. We'll see on Saturday what that product is. Obviously, probably toughest opponent of the season in a really tough spot. Um, but I think you'll really see if, if the win really righted the ship or they just managed to kind of steal one with five turnovers. Well, I think I think the win, what, what it does is just kind of, again, just kind of helps, just kind of lift the moods and just kind of help just just get momentum right going in the right direction again. Um, but you did mention the penalties and Loxley, you know, he touched on that post game and obviously, you know, 10 penalties for 92 yards, you know, that's going to raise every eyebrow in the, in, under the sun. But, um, you know, I, I think. You know, Loxie touched on, you know, just you know, not every penalty is considered an undisciplined penalty. And, you know, he sends in plays and whatnot. And I think the first one that jumped out, you know, I, I pointed it out because it was at the time looked like a really bad penalty in real time. Uh, that one that was called against Corey Deitches at the end of the first half that wasn't actually Corey Deitches. Um, it looked like I, I thought it live that it probably should have been a targeting against Nebraska. Um, and I believe uh, Corey Bullock came over. He kind of extended his arm out. It looked like a pretty light shove kind of in replay. Um, Nebraska job, Nebraska player did a good job kind of selling it. Um, and then it ended up driving Maryland out of the local position. Um, instead of going into the break 10 nothing, it was still 7 nothing uh, Maryland. So uh, that ended up being a swing. Uh, and I think that's something where obviously, you know, you look at that and that would have been, you know, nine penalties for 77 yards. And sure, you know, it looks marginally better. But, you know, those are those are types of penalties that, you know, maybe on paper um, kind of looks like that. But, you know, the Big Ten officiating um, could have been I mean, Maryland had 10 penalties and Nebraska had one. You know, I think, you know, I think we, we can both agree that, you know, penalties on both sides uh, probably could have been called a little bit better. But um you know, you touched on just whether this should write the ship or not. Uh, you know, this this Maryland team, I think, kind of going into the year, 
uh, every Maryland fan thought that uh, beating one of these Big Ten elites was going to be, you know, that final to-do list item for head coach Mike Loxley. Um, you know, to lead his last game in College Park, last home game, uh, yeah, excuse me, last game in College Park. Um, you know, this will be a chance for him to kind of really cement that um, and, and kind of cement that legacy, obviously, in addition to holding uh, every passing record, whether it's single season or career record uh, at this point. Yeah, we'll talk about it more in the week, but you brought it up and I was really thinking about it. Uh, today I was driving around and it just kind of crossed my mind is there is a 10-0 and 0 top three team in the country coming into College Park this weekend. And I was actually thinking about, you know, Leah getting that drive, getting the team down the field and, and kicking that field goal. And that's the thing that I've said it. I know it's been said many of the post-game shows that we've done on the Turp Talk side, many reporters at this point, and I think very, many fans have said it. He hadn't really had that moment where he drove the team down the field and they were able to kind of walk one off and, and, and really have that moment. Now he gets his last opportunity against one of the Big Ten elite a 10-0 team coming off of a win in Happy Valley, coming to College Park, then going to Columbus, and and probably on to the college football playoff if everything goes their way and their program doesn't get shut down for the cheating scandal that's going on. But still, you don't get many of those opportunities as an athlete, as a football player. You know, you probably would have had a lot more, you know, if you became the Alabama starting quarterback, but he's here at Maryland. He's embraced that. And just what an opportunity it is for basically everybody in that room to to take an all-timer and, and be able to win or be in or, you know, play that game. They felt like they should have won last year in the big house, something that they haven't shied away from or been afraid of. Going into this week, though, I, I hope that's certainly a message in the room. And I hope, hope it's something that's realized by guys that this is their last, you know, college football season or their last season in College Park. Just the, the opportunity they have and the chance to really embrace that, prepare for it, and then look, put your best foot forward and, and see how it goes come Saturday. Yeah, I think obviously that that um, that that aspect of it, um, you know, and obviously, you know, Jashawn Jones, you know, wrapping up six years in, in College Park, I think, you know, all of that would be, you know, all be interesting. You know, we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll dive into that. Um, but I definitely think, you know, just, you know, Saturday's win in order for Maryland to, you know, just pull out that 13-10 win, obviously, you know, again, it was – Far from pretty uh, on Saturday, but uh, just getting back in the win column, I think, is kind of biggest. And um, credit to the run game, credit to the specialist as well, um, Colton Spangler. He was sidelined. He was holding, uh, I believe he was holding kicks. Um, so he was somewhat limited, I should say. Uh, so Brandon Segovia coming in, um, doing a good job, uh, as well as uh, Jack House, who's had an up and, up and down first year uh, as the starter here. But for him to, like you said, have that game winner, um, just have the team, have that moment uh, on the road, uh, I think that those are all kind of ingredients for Maryland to potentially, like you said, just kind of uh, potentially write the ship, go into this weekend and, you know, see what happens. Yeah, uh, certainly big shout out for Segovia, just stepping into that role. Uh, it, it really looks like Spangler, I guess, has, done something to what is his punting leg. He did have a knee brace uh, on the knee um, that is his kicking leg. So we'll see how that kind of pans out. And one, uh, I guess, needed shout out, something that everybody said, and Ahmed, I'll get your take on it, wrapping up the pod. When he kicked that ball, the camera worked to me. I, I thought it was blocked. Yeah, I will say, I mean, the reason that I knew that Maryland won was because um, I had the stats up and it had Maryland 13-10. So that was the only reason because I watched it and I agree. Um, I couldn't tell. Um, so, yeah, it was some pretty uh, awful, um, I would say just kind of 
weird announcers, weird, uh, weird, you know, camera work, obviously on what you could say is uh, the biggest play of the game. Um, but yeah, uh, I think uh, every Maryland fan was kind of unsure in those next five, 10 seconds there. Yeah. Well, the Terps get it done. They're bowl eligible. Now, all of those bowl projection articles, I know all of you that are listening read are now for not that. I mean, well, I guess they're the reverse of whatever I just said. <laughs> is actually what I meant to say. They're valid now. We can start looking at that. I mean, Big Ten football right now, past past Iowa in the standing. So if you're, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa, there could be a long list of six and six teams and or seven and five teams. There might be a scenario where there's one seven and five team and the rest of them are six win teams. Uh, it is not a good year for Big Ten football. No, definitely not. And uh, I think, you know, like you said, with that long list of, you know, six and six, seven and five teams, I think that's uh, uh, even further point why the divisionless Big Ten uh, will be great. And we'll see that this year. I was looking at the class rankings uh, and it caught my eye this morning. 18 teams pop up on that list now. So a lot of teams to fight for some bowl spots next year, but, but we'll fight that battle when we get to it. Ahmed, anything else to add tonight? No, obviously, like like I uh, like I opened the show. If uh, if you expected going into this weekend that Maryland Revenue Sports is going to pick up uh, one win, and it was going to be Maryland's road win at Nebraska, um, I think every Maryland fan would have called you crazy. Um, but some puzzling uh, results for basketball. Obviously, a chance to right the ship, um, and it would be a signature win on the road. And so we'll we'll see what Willard says later this week how the team responds and. Um, you know, uh, we'll we'll see if Jim Harbaugh is able to uh, get a hearing in front of a court instead of uh, it's, be able to coach College Park next weekend. Yeah, we certainly will see. We'll be back here uh, midweek on the pod. Terps uh, pick up win number six. Just had to drop that one in there one more time. For Ahmed Gafir, I am Mason Viner. As always, subscribe to the pod where you get it. Give it a thumbs up if you can. And as always, thanks for watching and thanks for listening.